Welcome to the Lady Stuff Podcast with Kelly and Tiffany, the two licensed midwives behind Beautiful One Midwifery. This is your one-stop shop for all your Lady Stuff questions and topics. We are passionate about educating women, offering alternative solutions to common female health issues, and normalizing your body and your questions. Join us each week as we tackle new topics and laugh along the way. Welcome back to the Lady Stuff Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm Kelly. And we are here today to talk about all the lady stuff. So many lady things to talk about. Uh, An exciting little behind the scenes. We are recording in our brand new office. Yes. In the waiting room that belongs to us. Yeah, it doesn't have anything in it but boxes of furniture that haven't been put together. Ikea, guys. Yeah. (laughs) I mean midwifery on a budget. Yes. We can afford a new office, but nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll be putting together the furniture for weeks to come. I still have PTSD from putting furniture together the last time we moved offices. Sorry. And you were recovering from shoulder surgery. I was literally the least helpful person in that whole experience. I've never had such a trial of furniture putting together as this one piece of furniture gave me. I had to like drill new holes and... And I just watched. I think you told me you're doing a great job. Yeah, I I can be an emotional encourager. But this time I have two working arms to help you. Yeah, I'm planning on you doing most of it. Mm, Probably. Payback. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well on to bigger and better... Speaking of bigger and better things, <laughs> uh, we are chatting today, as you can tell, by the topic of today about perineal support, uh, the perineum in general, pushing a baby out, all those fun topics that are a very consistent, frequently asked question in our practice. And just uh, even on Instagram, we're just being midwives, people tend to have a bit of a fear surrounding... Uh, what happens to their vaginas as they push babies out? Yeah, so like maybe we should start with what is the perineum? What is it? Where can you find it? Perineum, what are you? Oh. And some people say perineum. Yeah, I was going to say there are different, uh, perine- like a flower. Yes. <laughs> Perine- perineum. 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 Uh, so where can you find that? That's the area of like tissue, muscle between your vaginal opening and your anus. Also known as the taint. <laughs> That's what my husband calls it. Because it taint this, it taint that. I just, <laughs> I just think uh, it's taintalizing. <laughs> That's what he loves to call it the taint. Uh, great. Good for you, Brett. Uh, there's other things that people call it. Yeah, it's got lots of nicknames. But we do not use nicknames for uh, anatomical parts. I'm meeting our audience where they're at, and I'm bringing Your them taint. up. <laughs> I'm meeting you guys where you're at. I'm, bring, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you up. I'm elevating you with where you're at to where you need to be. Your perineum. So uh, a bit of an anatomy lesson, too. So we know generally where it is. A lot of people don't really recognize, though, that this attaches to your pelvic floor muscles. So that entire 
area. It's not just like, oh, it's just like my skin and some muscle right there. It all connects to the entirety of the pelvic floor too, which then attaches to your core, right? All of those things are interconnected uh, and it makes sense that we want to protect it as much as possible. Yes, we like to keep our bodies whole in one piece. Yeah, it's, a good, it's generally a good thing. But during pregnancy, we have lots of new hormones going through our body, especially relaxin. And that just helps to work to soften things, help, helps you open, helps move uh, everything around to make room for baby. But it can also soften the ligaments, make things just more elastic and stretchy. And that is a good thing for our vaginas, for the perineum. And during labor, your pelvic floor is going to stretch, it's going to elongate, it's going to thin, and that whole area, your whole perineum will thin and elongate and stretch along with that to help enable your baby to come down, to rotate, and eventually to be birthed. So it's an incredible... um, Dynamic. Dynamic. And I think in our heads we think, a baby coming out of here, there's just no way... There's, uh, there's no way possible that my vagina and this whole area could remain intact to actually allow an entire person through it. And sometimes I think that too when I'm at birth. I'm like, how does this, oh, this is incredible. It is Every incredible. Time. Yes. Yes. It is meant to make us go, oh, oh how'd that work? Yeah. Yes. It's pretty awesome. And also like this, can I provide some yes. uh, emotional context? Please. This uh, process of softening and opening and uh, elongating and stretching, this is what happens physiologically, but this is also what happens just metaphorically in the process of pregnancy and birth. Yeah, it's an emotional softening and opening. And so it is a right and okay thing to work towards embracing the changes and the dynamic changes of your body as you're having this really momentous experience. Hmm. I like that. We don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen. Of the opening. And the, Physically. Yes. Emotionally. All of it. Yes. We can work towards embracing that, accepting that. Mm-hmm. Um, and today's episode is meant to empower you with information, not to tell you how to not tear. Yes. Nah. And talk about a bit of like the why, some way, but yeah, some ways that you can move forward in hopefully releasing some fear. Because like I mentioned, this is one of the things that often gets brought up either at the beginning, like in a consultation when people are coming in to talk to us about our care Okay, how can you help me prevent this from happening? And all the way through, sometimes during labor, while moms are starting to feel like they need to push, they don't want to, right? Because they haven't uh, released that fear. And we have to walk them through that sometimes of that the opening is good. So it's not a, it's not an isolated, you're not alone if you're like, oh, that freaks me out. There's, there's a couple other things too that maybe we can mention about why women are afraid mm-hmm. to embrace that intensity, that stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those can be fear of having a bowel movement while you're oh, yeah. giving birth. That is probably the second one that comes right after the tearing. Yeah. Right? Like concern, worry, thing that gets brought up. 
Yeah. Another one is just fear of the sensation itself, not necessarily the outcome. Right. Well, because it's so, I mean, it, it all is just very intense. And we're, when we're able to connect and actually name those sensations of what is so intense, right? Like the stretching, the burning, the opening, the pressure, all of it. And all of that at once is, is quite a bit, but it's meant to be quite a bit. Yes, it is. It should have all of your attention. Yes. That is the physical purpose. Yes. This is the time to really focus and be in a safe place to where you're understanding something big is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Let me get into a let me get into an environment in a place where I can pay attention without having to pay attention to everything else. Yes. Mm-hmm. True. True. Um, but this natural like stretching pressure burning, all of those things can result in some degree of perineal tearing during birth. And that sounds probably more terrifying than it actually is because uh, nobody really feels that you're having a baby, no matter what, intact or not, things are just feeling like a lot down there. Um, But there are different types of tears too. And that uh, I think is helpful to recognize uh, and have some power and information regarding uh, what that actually looks like. So you've probably heard there are different degrees of tear, right? So first degree is basically like that skin only. It's not going deep into the muscle. That would be a second degree when the actual muscle is involved. And then we get into third and fourth degree tears. Third degrees are like second degree tears, right? They're with the muscle and the skin. But that's going into some of those muscles that are controlling the anus. And then the fourth degree is actually into the lining of that. Those last two are much more rare. But uh, as we talk about ways to support your perineum during labor, even beforehand, uh, just helpful, I think, to like have a realistic view of the fact that like things can happen down there, but there are many ways that you can help protect just instinctually help protect uh, that precious skin and yeah. muscles. Yeah, and and to know that just because some of the skin or some of the tissue gives way does not mean that you just blew your butt apart. Mm-hmm. It may feel like it, but you didn't. But you didn't. And I think that's helpful, too, to chat a bit about. So as home birth midwives, uh, people often ask us, like, Okay, so if I tear, what happens? Like, can you guys do anything about it? And we are, uh, like, like we can suture moms, give uh, numbing medication and kind of bring things back together. But something that is uh, interesting to a lot of people is our take on, sometimes there are tears that don't actually need to be put back together. Yeah. yeah, we have a little bit of a different philosophy than hospital-based providers, which may say, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to you after you leave here. <laughs> it's yeah. better are you, wa- I... are you walking home from here, right? Like, yes. I don't know what your life is. Yes. Yeah, so let me get you completely packaged together in any mm-hmm. way that I have control over and send you off into your life knowing that I addressed this issue right now. Yes. And so we have a lot more uh, awareness of lifestyle and of health and just awareness of uh, bodily intuitiveness and all of that. And that does help inform the way that we counsel our clients of, okay, we're seeing this. It does come back together on its own. 
but do we know that this mom is going to be resting, like actually giving uh, attention to her physical recovery or not? Because there are some times where I would look at a mom's vagina and be like, if this was somebody else, I would totally suggest, oh, it'll come back together on its own. But knowing your lifestyle, knowing that you can't, whatever, don't want to rest or aren't going to or whatever, be like, oh, okay, let's help you. Yes. So the purpose of using sutures in order to repair a vaginal laceration, whether it's the inside of the vagina or the outside of the or the outside of the perineal tissue, or even sometimes labial tears need to be repaired also. The purpose of using suture is just like sewing. You have a needle and a thread, and you're bringing two pieces together. You're helping them along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have Um, a laceration in a place that is just naturally coming together and you do believe that this mom is going to be able to spend most of her time in a position, in a restful position where that tissue remains together and she's not going to be up and down her stairs several times a day or trying to take her kids to soccer practice next week or entertaining company or getting up to do laundry and dishes and stuff like that every day. Um, then we can have a little bit more liberties to not introduce sutures. What are some of the reasons that that it would be um, beneficial to not suture? Some people listening right now might be like, if there's anything yeah. to put back together, why wouldn't you <laughs> just sew it back together? Right. Well, sometimes we look at it and we're like, oh, man, uh, we could. But there's so much healthy tissue here that actually introducing uh, – this needle into that healthy tissue can cause potentially more trauma, more swelling, more discomfort than just allowing the vagina really wants to come back together. Like it, it is, is so forgiving. Yeah, it absolutely is. And so uh, there are a lot of times that we'll look and be like, actually, there's everything else is so healthy right around it. Uh, I feel like I would be doing potentially more trauma to not only the tissue but your recovery by adding this into it yeah so all of these like question mark let's weigh out the pros and cons this is all first degree territory this is just the skin is involved Mm -hmm. um and no muscle structures involved if we are able to assess that muscle structures involved then we always recommend suturing yes helpful tidbit yes okay so uh, I'm sure there are many people having questions. Feel free to shoot them our way whenever you want to. Um, but I wanted to chat about the kind of most talked about uh, offers, suggestions for perineal support, both in pregnancy and during birth, because we get a lot of questions about them. So let's wander down the road of perineal support options. Come along. Yes. Um, Okay. The first one, and probably the one that you guys assume that we are going to talk about most, is perineal massage, especially in pregnancy. This is a big suggestion. So what what is uh, perineal massage? Perineal massage is a lot of different things to different people. (laughs) (laughs) That is the truth. Yes. But the, the most common application of perineal massage is... Um, getting yourself into uh, some kind of reclined position with some kind of massage oil and stretching and manipulating the perineum, so the the bottom of the vagina that faces towards 
your rectum and anus area and stretching that tissue and massaging that tissue with your hands or with the assistance of your partner. And so you kind of are like, oh, that sounds really uh, like a great idea, right? Let's massage, let's bring some uh, oil to it. That Oh, this will help me get used to it. This will help the tissue get used to it. Uh, so do, in our practice, is this something that we recommend? No. Ah. No, the short answer is no. We don't recommend it in our practice. Um not because there isn't some evidence that it can be helpful, because there is. Um, but number one, just the act and discussing it and um, and suggesting it gives the impression that your body is already wrong. It There's, needs help. It needs help. There's already something about the way that this design works that is going to fail you unless you intervene in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's a, that's a dangerous uh, topic to navigate with pregnant women, f- introducing and suggesting things that are like, yeah, you know, if you do this, this is going to um, change what your, how your body is already able to handle mm-hmm. this thing. And number two, it puts an emphasis on the fear surrounding this. Now, every single day we're going to be concentrating on, I'm doing this because I don't want to tear. I'm doing this because I don't want to tear. I'm doing this because I don't want to tear. And number three... (laughs) First of all. (laughs) Number three, um, there is also some evidence on the other side of this suggestion Mm -hmm. that if you actually do this properly to where you are stretching the tissue to a place of where there's uh, you're starting to have some burning sensation around that tissue, which is how you are supposed to do it if it's going to be beneficial, um, then those of us who understand uh, the intricacies of tissue and fascia and pelvic floor um, might also understand that if you're stretching the tissue to that degree, you're possibly creating little micro tears inside your tissue that are going to create a tiny bit of scar tissue when they heal and potentially make even more rigidity inside of that tissue structure instead of more flexibility. So we usually say it's not incredibly harmful if you do it just to introduce yourself to some sensations and Mm -hmm. in the area. And if you find enjoyment, if that would be a good, healthy activity for you or it's something that your partner really wants to do or you can incorporate it into your intimacy time or something like that, if you're just gravitating towards it, then absolutely go for it. Yeah. But does it need to be prescriptive for this thing that you're afraid of happening, that we're not trusting that your body is adequate to adapt to what's going to happen to it. I'm not sure. I am sure. We're not, we're just, that it doesn't, it doesn't fit in as a rote recommendation. Yes, absolutely. And Tiff brought up uh, scar tissue. So remediate, if you have had previous tears, right? Say you're on your second, third baby, you've torn before, there's the potential for that tear to have created some scar tissue as it was healing. And remediating that is different than perineal massage. So getting your fingers in there to feel the rigidity um, and help kind of digitally put that, uh, that 
rigid part of the scar tissue in your fingers and kind of work it out uh, kind of by circling your fingers there is very different than opening and stretching that part of your perineum. We're all about uh, remediating scar tissue if you're able to. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but just kind of giving those two, the, the it's helpful to know that those two things are different because I often hear, oh, well, you should do perineal massage if you've torn before because that will get rid of the scar tissue. But it's it's there's some dif- there's some differences there. Uh, so there is some slight evidence that perineal massage is helpful, but uh, it's not actually like significantly uh, worth it. Agreed. Yeah. And it's not what we see anecdotally in midwifery. Yes. And so some of these things that we talk about uh, just come naturally in terms of how to protect your uh, perineum. Uh, they just come naturally in midwifery. <laughs> and if you're planning a hospital birth or thinking through your options, it just looks a bit different in the hospital. Uh, and so our our results can't be extrapolated to hospital results either. Yeah. Can I say something else about that? First of all. First of all. <laughs> this yes. is number 12. Yes. Um, I think it's helpful for the women who are listening to this. It's going to be very stimulating, I think, because you're thinking of all the things that you know mm-hmm. or that have happened to you or that someone has told you or that you're trying now to convince yourself that you're not afraid of this happening to you in the future. Right. Um, Everybody's experience, other women that you have talked to, their report of what has happened to them is subjective. Yes. It is open to their interpretation of it. Just because they only got two stitches doesn't say anything about the degree of their laceration. Mm -hmm. Just because somebody had, you know, had to go into the OR to have their perineum repaired does not say anything about what is possibly going to happen to them again or what is going to happen to somebody else who births in the same position they do or whatever, right? right? Like there's so many factors here. And so sometimes as women, we do this funny thing, especially with birth and motherhood, where we're trying to justify ourselves Uh constantly. And so when we talk about tearing, sometimes a part of that pride kind of comes in or a part of that I want to share the horror with you kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. And so I want you guys to uh, consider that the stories you hear or even the things that have happened to you. Yes. If you're the one who only got one stitch, which by the way, I have never (laughs) ever only placed one stitch. I don't even, if I needed to place one stitch, I probably wouldn't place a stitch. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Uh, I want everyone to be thinking with an open mind about how we talk about our vaginal lacerations and tearing and how other people talk about it. It is not apples to apples. No. That's wise. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Because I'm certain people are thinking as we're talking about this stuff. But But but, Jenny said. Right. Or but I had. Uh, Okay. So perineal massage in pregnancy is like the main one that we kind of talk about in terms of preparation, right? During actual labor, there are a ton of things that are offered, done as standard, um, optional, all kinds of things that you can do to just kind of be thinking about uh, this delicate area and how it plays in with uh, the rest of your pelvic floor and your baby's rotation and all that good stuff. Um, Perineal massage in pregnancy is different 
than perineal massage in labor in that when a care provider puts their fingers inside of you to help create, right, quote, help create more room, uh, they're stretching that tissue, creating space, hopefully helping bring baby down, uh, but it's not without its own set of risks there too. The more things that we're putting inside of the vagina that don't belong in there, uh, the more potential there is for uh, kind of messing up what's going on in there. It for sure increases swelling, right? Because oh, we're I've like, I've seen that with my eyes. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and can in and of itself create more tearing, which is like the opposite of what we actually want to do, right? So very often, especially in hospital birth. I remember as a doula, it was almost always, right? Mom's like, oh, I feel the urge to push, right? She starts pushing. Immediately, somebody comes in and their fingers are inside of her, starting to massage and open things up. Yes. And I'll tell you why the care providers do that. Yes. Because it's fun. (laughs) I'm serious. Yeah. That is, I like doing it. We rarely ever get to do it. I never do it. (laughs) Right. It's not the right thing for most women to have that going on for them. Mm -hmm. But when I do it, I'm like, ah, ha, ha. I'm in the mix and I think I'm helping and we're, now I'm working with you Uh and we're doing a thing together and I'm feeling Look at me doing a thing. Yeah. Yes. We don't always need to do a thing. And you have the ability to say, no, thank you. For some women, it is incredibly helpful, I will say, to have somebody's, maybe not necessarily stretching, but somebody's fingers in there so that you start to get used to, ah, this is the place where I need to bear down. This is how I get my bearings on uh, actually pushing this baby. Not so much for the actual support of the perineum. Yeah, and sometimes as the care provider, I really need to know if what you're doing is bringing your baby down. Yes. Otherwise, four hours later, You've exhausted yes. yourself and... And we haven't. And we haven't. Yeah. yeah. So there are definitely applications where fingers inside belong. Yes. Um, so the actual support of the perineum with our hands, uh, but especially with uh, warm compresses, can be very helpful, uh, especially if women are like, I would like that. So it is an option. We love to keep our hands off of things. I love to like watch somebody have their baby and not feel like I need to do something. There are plenty of women who are like, please, I would like that. I would like your hands on there. That makes me feel better. Or I would like this warm compress. We use uh, like soft, like super soft uh, cloth, like paper towels, but you can use like pieces of flannel, stuff like that. Nice and warm on the perineum just to keep that circulation going. And, you know, it just feels nice and supportive. Yes, Yes. for sure. Uh, So that is absolutely uh, an option much easier at home where we have access to warm water. Yes, and but you can put that on your birth plan for another setting. Yeah, like, absolutely. I would like warm compress because the nice thing about asking for warm compress is, number one, no, this is just the only thing, sorry. <laughs> I just really am into counting things today. <laughs> um, the nice thing about war- asking for warm compress is that uh, it keeps people from massaging your vagina. Yeah, it gets them away doing a thing. Yes. You're like, here, just push, the, put, press this warm thing up instead of digging around. Yeah, and that's in, like most especially helpful. I don't think that's correct grammar, but that's okay. Uh, and that final stretch where everything is really stretching out, uh, that 
is probably the most useful spot where that warm compress comes into comes into play, um, as evidence-wise too. So another uh, interesting one, as I was I was trying to gather like the best research on this because I didn't want to be like, well, what I've seen, which is not the, we don't like not, to do it, so just don't, right? Um, but water birth. Uh, has been shown to help decrease not necessarily the potential for tears altogether, but the amount of tears that actually really need like real full-on repair. Um, But I find it interesting because women having their babies in the water almost always have hands off their perineum types of births. Yes. And I will also say in order to have adequate perineal massage while you're pushing, you really need to be on your back. Yes. And so think about those two cofactors, your position in order order to facilitate this thing that potentially they both come together to make tearing more. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things I was going to talk about, which I can just jump into, is our birth positions in general, right? If you are able to have an instinctual experience where you are, like, what feels right, what, mostly just what feels right, right, in that moment, uh can that can absolutely help decrease the potential for tearing yeah and natural birth is not right for everyone i am not saying that because that's the type of birth that we support that everybody should do that but natural birth is associated with decreased tears for that reason because you are up and moving around you Mm -hmm. can you have all the faculties of your body to get into a position that feels right for you you can change positions frequently and often um and you can really tune into the sensations that you're having and you're less likely to need a lot of assistance to push adequately, which means you can follow your body's lead on yes. how to push and how hard to push instead of following a formula for pushing. Hold your breath, count, take another breath, hold Where it, and push. Or somebody tells you, here's the time to do this. Yes, which yeah. is common with an epidural because you... You don't have yeah. as much sensation. And so being in control of that part and really listening to your body as you bear down mm-hmm. is a factor in decreasing potential tears. A hundred percent. One of the last things I wanted to chat about was uh, this idea of, right, like we're putting a lot of effort and a lot of strength behind a lot of these uh, bearing down efforts, these pushing efforts. But the sweetest... Uh, pause that happens as baby is really stretching the perineum out it's one of my favorite things about primarying at a birth is walking moms through that part where everything is stretched like to the max and we help her connect to that and slow that down and breathe through it and let that baby just kind of open mom as uh, slowly as we can despite that overwhelming urge to really just like bear through it and get the baby out as quickly as possible. Yes. One of the things Which sometimes that happens, but one of the things I find myself saying to women who are having babies is on one side of the spectrum where I'm like, that is the right amount of pressure. What mm-hmm. you are experiencing right now is the right thing, even yes. if it's overwhelming. And then on the other side of the spectrum, it could be the same exact birth, but just twenty minutes later, uh-huh. I am coaching her to uh not embrace the pressure. Yes. And uh, take some breaths, get some focus, and not be slamming towards that goal, I think is sometimes one of the most helpful things that your birth attendant can do 
if we're trying to put everything in the box of how to prevent tearing. Yeah. Yes. It can actually, that slow, controlled birth of the head in particular can decrease tearing by like 50%. Yeah, and some moms get really um, impatient or frustrated Mm -hmm. with the part during this second stage of pushing where the head comes down and moves back up and goes down and moves back up. and It feels like one step forward and two steps back. Or two steps forward and one step back. Or one step forward and one step back. (laughs) Um, And so it's a lot of baby rocking, rocking slowly under the pubic bone and then rocking, rocking slowly, opening the vagina. And those are all purposeful to the design of birth. It is is, uh, part of what stretches that tissue, allows it to gradually stretch, Mm -hmm. um, allows breaks for blood flow to come back into the tissue when the baby comes back in a little bit. Yes, it is massa- it's the baby massaging all of that tissue and muscle open, and it's purposeful. Um, and then, right, we are breathing the baby out at that point, right, where we're like, uh, Tiffany always, or not always, but a lot of times we'll be like, just go as slow as you need to. I hear that a lot, and I'm like, ah, right? That's like what you need, right? But let's remind you, let's go slow in this to allow this baby to be born Um, And that is something that you can talk to your care provider about beforehand. Hey, this is important to me. Will you remind me when I'm at that place to blow that away, to pant that, to whatever, uh, you know, whatever suggestions you need in that moment to help control that intensity there? Yes. Yeah. Well... That's all I have to say about perineal support. I got a bunch more to say. I know, right? <laughs> this got me going. That, I know, and I was like, "This is good." Just talk. I'm like, "Ah, oh, we should do. We should have part two here pretty soon." Um, but that but, is all we have time for today. But I hope it's helpful not only to understand why it's doing what it's doing, but some ways that you can be informed and take that to your care provider or internalize that information. And recognize not only do I have choices, but this isn't something I have to be afraid of. Yes. We can embrace what our bodies are meant to do and what they are capable of and go from there. I agree. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, we'll uh, catch you next time. That we will. We will. Bye.